Namaste and welcome to this Thursday 10 p.m. show which is going to be in English as you know and today we have a gathering of some very eminent people with me. Uh, I think somebody is uh, eco coming. Yeah, please. And uh, of course, as always, we have Ibhuti Jhaji on the Thursday 10 p.m. show. And today I have uh, Dr. Bhaskar Kamle. He is a theoretical physicist and data scientist. And he has written a wonderful book. It is called The Imperishable Seed. And this imperishable seed actually talks about how Hindu mathematics changed the world and why this history was erased. So let me welcome Sri Bhaskar Kamble and uh, the man who published the book, Sankrant Sanu and Sri Vibhuti Cha. Welcome all of you to this Thursday 10 p.m. show. Dr. Kamble, we know, course, and we've been talking about this, uh, that Indian mathematics and the sciences uh, associated with mathematics. Of course, there can be no science without mathematics. So we keep wondering how uh, Europe was actually dealing in science without <laughs> knowing even the basic numerals. Uh, so uh, you say that you have the evidence. And uh, this book actually brings forth the evidence. I have glanced through it, not fully read it. So would you like to tell us what kind of evidence you would like to adduce? First of all, uh, why is mathematics important and why Europe did not have it? So, um, uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, could you just explain evidence for which concrete thing, uh, the evidence for the oh, well, existence of mathematics in India or the transmission? Yeah. yeah. Math mathematics and the transmission uh, and uh, you talked about the, the Pascal's triangle, uh, Fibonacci sequence, Rolle's theorem, Taylor series, all this. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, we yeah. know that even the Pythagoras theorem and uh, other things, uh, even the basic numerals, we know that the yeah. Europeans did not have the decimal system. Mm -hmm. And uh, without the decimal system, how were they conducting their sciences when they say that Europe is the land which led in the sciences yeah this is actually a very very good question i like this question because you know uh for for we, we keep hearing of uh, greek mathematics like you know uh, euclid uh, then then um then archimedes then ptolemy all these people and ptolemy is supposed to be an astronomer also like for astronomy you need to have a lot of uh, calculations you need to make a lot of calculations for astronomy you know so all these sign tables and everything so in the absence of that how can you uh, do that so that is actually a very good question and that actually brings us to a very interesting point of you know the the narrative of greek mathematics which which uh, which actually which i would like to talk about this at some point in the show in, in this show but um uh, but but the whole um, the whole narrative in today's world is that um, this this the subject of mathematics is is a European uh, creation. It first comes from the uh, the ancient Greeks and then it was taken up further by the uh, modern day Europeans during the Renaissance. And some somewhere we do hear a little bit about uh, you know like some maybe you know like uh, Al Khwarizmi or some other people. But Indian mathematicians they hardly get a mention in in this kind of a narrative. So, uh, so this is, of course, um, um, very in in the in the popular histo historical narratives. This is the this is the story that is that is uh, prevalent. 
um, but but this is when you look dig deeper into into the history you you one comes across a lot of evidence that this is actually not the case well i mean historians they know about all these things but only that you know it has been somehow suppressed uh, in in the in the in the modern world actually not just the modern world but also the previous centuries so um, so i mean the evidence is like uh, it's like uh, there, I mean, phenomenal. For example, Alkhwarizmi's book. You know, he he uh, got hold of the works of Brahmagupta and Aryabhata, which he uh, used in his. Uh, basically, he you know, yeah, he, he translated into Persian, so to speak, his version of it. And then, um, and then his book referred to the the numbers of India. And then, you know, uh, like people like Fibonacci. He he in the in the twelfth century he introduced the, the the numbers the hindu numbers to europe and he also called them the numbers from india and um and then and then there is uh, things like the, the number system and then you have the whole thing the whole concept of algebra in in fact arithmetic and algebra they are very closely related as i also mentioned in my book so um because algebra is like a generalized version of arithmetic the arithmetic belongs to the realm of the so to speak the vyakta the manifest and algebra belongs to the realm of the avyakta where you know uh, the, the symbols they, they refer to the avyakta and in fact this, this is very deeply connected to the hindu philosophy of uh, vyakta and avyakta so you know this these are the uh, like the uh, the aspects of the of the brahman the the uh, the supreme reality um, then um, yeah i mean and then but also in algebra we see the we see the tendency that uh, algebra is attributed to you know europeans uh, some greeks like um, uh, diophantus or or um, or later on alkhwarizmi and it is just because uh, for one thing you know europeans they were not aware of uh, the, when when the first translations came maybe they were not aware that you know this comes from india so they thought it's an arabic creation uh, but then um, later on you know with the rise of uh, colonialism with the rise of basically with the rise of you know, religious supremacy then then colonialism and um, uh, these racist ideas uh, the references to you know hindu mathematics became uh, became less and less and in fact you know i, I had a very funny um, experience like i had uh, in my in the iit kanpur alumnus group i had posted about my book and the book of course has the uh, title how hindu Math mathematics changed the world and why this history was erased and suddenly there were some people who made some ruckus that you know how come you call it hindu hindu they had a lot of issue with that and we see that also in in today's world this tendency to suppress uh, anything positive with you know the, the word hindu i mean the, the same people will be fine with words like you know hindu terror or hindu right wing but if you associate something positive you know that becomes a problem so <laughs> these things, yeah sorry uh, i know that uh, uh, we know that uh, the shulva sutras have a, a, a lot of these formulations including the pythagoras theorem uh, what is called the pythagoras theorem and there they have used to have this uh, system of using the string to do measurements and that's how they were able to compute complex numbers we also know that we had this decimal system uh, for any number of any, any number of thousands of years and uh, you can see those numbers given even in text like mahabharata whereas uh, the greco-roman system of numerals it is difficult to even add say if you have to add uh, something like 68 plus 78 maybe you'll have to use an abacus or you have to do something else and uh, we also know that even in the middle centuries uh, the 
Indian numerals were not trusted, not only not trusted, uh, th there was, I think, the city of Florence in Rome, who actually, the, their merchant guild actually banned the Indian numerals. And uh, we also know that we have the Surya Siddhanta. We also know that we have uh, all these um, all these astronomical treatises that uh, go back uh, thousands and thousands of years, probably tens of thousands of years. So with all that evidence, how did they manage to erase this evidence? Um, I think... Uh... Yeah, that is in fact a very, very, very tricky question. Like, you know, on the one hand, it seems obvious that, you know, we as Indians with our heritage, we have been living with this for, for generations. It's there in our generational knowledge memory, but still in, in the outside world, it's just not there. So I think, um, so I, to this, I, I guess, you know, my explanation is that, you know, today the world is actually ruled by um, basically the, the, the Christian uh, worldview in which, uh, in, in fact, you know, the church, took over, uh, you know, the, the, the mind, so to speak, the church, uh, and imposed its ideology on the entire world. And this, in fact, uh, and also the other, uh, you know, related religion to Christianity is Islam. So so it has also a similar, uh, a similar um, psychology or a similar ideology. And then uh, there is a sort of... Um, and then then comes the you know things like colonialism and all those so, so and those this associated uh, biases and 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 the racial biases which came in between and then uh, because of the power equation it became really easy to to impose a certain kind of history on uh, on the world i mean this is actually not so far fetched i mean if you uh, this is like you know all the governments have been doing that of course uh, like you know the ussr did that it it did propaganda it brainwashed you know millions of people if you read the book 1984 by george orwell you know there also the same thing is done you know you can actually brainwash millions of people uh, so so it's not all that far fetched but yeah so this is how... <laughs> I guess this is these are some of the things which uh, come into I my know, mind. Even Al Khwarizmi, <laughs> yeah. he calls his book uh, Kitab al Hind. So uh, yeah. at least he wasn't that dishonest. Unlike <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> these people who actually, uh, I am told that uh, all this knowledge uh, before the Jesuits uh, took it to Europe, even before that, when they uh, reconquered Spain and they had the library of Toledo. And from there, they translated these books and then they attributed it to the Greeks because it would have been a great insult to the church if they had attributed it to India. So that, that's one of the stories. My question to Sankrant now, Sankrant, uh, you published this book. Then uh, what was the thought when you first got to learn about the book or uh, you were first contacted? Well, I ended up actually... Um... I ended up getting more involved in this book than I typically do for a book I publish. <laughs> so it, it, you know, all credit to, to Bhaskar for drawing me in. And as I started, you know, we have so many submissions, so many manuscripts get submitted. Um, Bhaskar had come from somebody who was already an author with us. So, so he had a very good uh, referral into us. But as I started reading it, and also I was very interested in the subject, as I started reading it, there was so much... I thought I knew a little bit, but I realized there was so much I didn't know. And so I kept going deeper and deeper and I started posing questions to Bhaskars saying, okay, tell me about this. For instance, when he started uh, writing about algebra, the chapter on algebra, it's like, don't, don't tell, show me. How did they write equations? I want you to go find out 
how they actually wrote an equation in Sanskrit and how did the Indians actually write equations, come up with that. I want to put the exact Sanskrit of how the equation is written into the, into the book, you know. So it ended up being a collaborative effort where we went back and forth for about about two years, Pascal. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. A little so bit it more was, even. It was a two-year work where where we would wrestle with things and and to a lot of credit to to Bhaskar for actually taking all of my questions very seriously and also you know I would send him on rat holes of research and he would come back a month later saying oh I figured all this out you can do this so it was it was very exciting very exciting book to be part of not only as a publisher but as an as an editor as well and the other thing that struck me just to make it simpler for people to understand what the big deal about this is. And the big deal about this is that a lot of times we, we only look at India as having invented zero. So what really, as you go deeper into it, we're not talking about just zero, but we're talking about the representation of numbers. So right now we write a number 3251. We know that's 3,251. That means each of the place um, that the, you know, each of those digits have a different significance, which is the place value notation. Europe didn't have anything like this. Europe had Roman, Roman numerals. And if you think, what's the big deal of what India did? Try to multiply this number 3251 by itself in Roman numerals. Oh, right? just try to <laughs> add 78 plus 68. Forget multiplication. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so they had no method of computation. They had no method of arithmetic. All they had was an abacus where they would move beads around and do the calculation, but they didn't have any algorithms, another word that is that gets invented from, from Al-Khwarizmi actually, but they had no algorithms for computation, which means they couldn't really do any significant math, which means they couldn't really do any significant science. So this whole notion that Europeans, you know, brought us math and science, and this is one of the ways that we got colonized, was that look how much advanced the Europeans were. They brought this math and science, and we backward Indians are learning it. In fact, the truth, as Bhaskar's book shows, is the exact opposite. Knowledge flowed from India, either, either through uh, the Arabs, uh, it went to Europe, or it went through the Jesuits who came directly to Kerala because their calendar was all messed up. And so the Pope, uh, Pope Gregory sent the Jesuits to to Kerala to figure out the Hindu calendar because the Hindus were the only ones who could figure out all this navigation, which, which is depending on the calendar. So from the Arabs, it goes to Europe. From, uh, from the Jesuits, it goes to Europe. And then they start to erase the traces of it. And they start to erase the traces of it. And we see the explanations that, you know, major historians like James Mill, who writes literally the history of India, which becomes the Bible of the history of India, where all these people are quoting from it, all the IAS people study, you know, texts based on the, when the ICS is started, this is the way that people get to know India. And of course, James Mill, Mill is an out and out racist. His explanation of why he picks, you know, why the Hindus didn't invent it versus the Greeks, for instance, is just that, oh, Hindus are a superstitious lot. And of course, the Brahmins are, 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 are fanciful and they make up all these big numbers they say that the date of the earth is even beyond what the Bible says, which is only 4,000, 6,000 years old, of course. So it is like all this is all this Hindu knowledge is, of course, wrong because it contradicts the Bible. And the Bible tells us the entire <laughs> earth is 6,000 years old. And so this is this is the kind of explanation 
that these major historians use. And then all of the histories that we read even till this date in India are just piled on top of these histories that the Europeans wrote, you know, 150 years ago. So that's what I found really significant about Bhaskar's book is there are history. Actually, there's two or three points I want to make about it before, before I turn it back to him, which is one aspect was the fact that this invention of mathematics, both from notions of zero to algebra was very closely tied to Hindu philosophy. So all of these ideas, this is why the imperishable seed itself is a quote from the Gita. So the, the ma mathematics and also mathematics was completely uh, part of all the other arts in India. It was not a separate bucket of science and art and math. You know, the, the, the poets were some of the greatest mathematicians because a lot of the, the binary system was invented for poetry. You know, this is how, uh, and later on, you know, Charles Boole and Babbage uh, credit uh, India's and or their their um, knowledge of India for 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 discoveries in the in, in the computing world. But the so that's the most first significant thing: how the mathematics ties to Hindu philosophy. And I think Bhaskar's book is very unique in in showing that. The second aspect was a lot of times we we talk about this is the mathematics, but we don't talk about the topic. Why was this erased? How was this erased? What was the motivation for erasing it? How did it? How did that happen? So I think that's also a very, very significant part of what 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 the book says is that it it shows not only what existed and it shows with painstaking detail. One of the things we did in this book was we haven't hand waved anything. We go back to the original Sanskrit sources. We quote the text. We show the verse. We say this is how it was done. And then when we come to the histories and so on and so forth, we ask the question, why is it that we Indians even don't know? You know, I went to IIT, I studied math. We, I had no idea that all of this had, had a relationship to India. We, we, we learn about, you know, all these, all these mathematicians of Europe and Rolle's theorem and Cantor and this and that. But at the end of it, it is a lot of white privilege, white supremacy that is really about making Europe the center of the world. And, and that's driven by the church. And that's how this uh, this erasure comes about. Yeah, just uh, this was really, really uh, nicely put. Uh, Sankrat, actually, I, let, let, yeah. let me mm -hmm. ask you a leading question on this only yes, because uh, uh, it is basically uh, they talk about mathematics, then uh, they talk about Euclid's, uh, Euclid and his axioms. And uh, they make it so difficult that uh, to use what is called formal maths and you have to add two plus two then uh, they require something like um, uh, i think uh, 378 pages to make two plus two yeah, one is plus one equal to two or two plus two equal to four uh, whereas uh, in india it was a, a very simple what is called a pratyaksha pramana in uh, indian pramana shastra or epistemology Indians use Ganit and uh, as uh, and use the direct evidence, whereas these people complicated it and they used what is called the evidence of the word. That is, everything has to come from the Bible, and that seems to have complicated mathematics more than anything else. Yes, uh, sure. Um, this is, in fact, uh, yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so there are actually many, many points in the statement. This is a very interesting statement. And uh, 
so in in western mathematics there is always this attempt to you know remove mathematics from the empirical you know as ck raju also has mentioned that you know very often so and um, and this uh, stems from uh, i think from a from from this christianity christian notion that god cannot be you know the so called god is out there he cannot this god cannot be in this world so this there is this you know uh, this whereas mathematics should refer to something that is uh, immortal that is uh, super, that is uh, that that is always right and all that so it should be somehow like you know connected to this god so um, and then so that's why uh, then this attempt is made to remove it from the empirical so like when you say 1 plus 1 is equal to 2 that is something which we see but this seeing is related to this empirical thing so it's like you know uh, you want to try to remove it from that but the problem is that you uh you cannot um, uh, remove it from the empirical world because it arose from the empirical okay it arose from the empirical so you cannot remove it and then the other thing is that in india um in india like uh, you have this uh, the, 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 there is no such okay so it's like you know from the bhagavad gita for example there are statements like vasudevah sarvam or or else sadasa chaham arjuna that is you know like vasudevah sarvam everything is you know vasudev so in this uh, you know you don't have this uh, like you know taboos against the empirical so that sort of a thing is there and um right and i think th these are some of the things uh, which uh, yeah and then so um, which uh, which which come to my mind when you talk about this um uh, right and that of course makes uh, mathematics much more difficult oh yeah and one more thing which i would like to add in this is that uh, this this uh, this separation from the empirical gave rise to this uh, mathematical notion of proof where uh, where everything is supposed to be axiomatic um, and then and then what happens is that you know in the 20, 20th century uh, even earlier actually like with the rise of colonialism and with the uh, this, this discipline of history of science came into being so they they remodeled all the texts of greek texts like euclid archimedes so to speak in a way you know which which fits in with with the you know the version of mathematics which uh, they want to propagate as as uh, like you know the the western way of doing mathematics so uh, so for example if you look at the text of euclid heiberg he wrote the critical edition of euclid sometime in the 20th century in greek and there he also makes this sort of you know he makes a selection of only certain manuscripts so with euclid the problem is that euclid archimedes the problem is that there is you know all these manuscripts they come from around the 5th century ce of the current era whereas euclid lived some sometime in 300 bce so there's more than 800 um, years in between and it and it has been edited by several other people like theon or um, and every, several other like you know mathematicians in between around that time and also later by the arabs so we have a multiple uh, number of manuscripts for for the so called greek mathematicians and he chose only those uh, manuscripts and also you know edited them also in a way that reflects this mathematical notion of proof in, in this very final version he presents in, in this very final version and then this notion of proof and this, uh, this supposed uh, clean cleanness of mathematics became in a way to invalidate other mathematical systems uh, like the indian system so uh, so so yeah I, these are some of the things which i can uh, uh, which come to my mind with respect to this topic Uh, right yeah i mean that was quite evident the way it has been done uh, if uh, our audience is wondering what we are talking about we are talking about this book this is called the imperishable seed written by dr baskar kamlik who is there right in front of us and uh, this talks about 
how hindu mathematics changed the world and why this history was erased uh, uh, one very interesting uh, other aspect is the transmission of calculus and how the west came to own calculus and uh, whereas we know that uh, the sign tables are very much there even with aryabhatta would you like to uh, detail that out a little bit first of all for the lay person lay person i'm talking about uh, we might all know it but uh, the lay person doesn't know why calculus is important so could you just tell something like you know in 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 a in a, a brief manner first of all why calculus is important and how india is the one that invented calculus how yeah, so appropriated it and how it contributed to their science and suppressed our science so uh, you have a very popular channel jaipur dialogue so you have uh, thousands of subscribers so you know like they get recommendations uh, from lakhs, on... Uh, on today's count yes yeah lakhs. so okay this yeah so they get recommendations so these recommendations are based on certain algorithms and these algorithms are in turn based on you know like maximizing certain uh, or minimizing certain functions cost functions so there it, itself you see the, the use of calculus in 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 optimizing problems for example this is one thing which you know and then it's like everywhere of course in other cases like you know when when you consider astronomy for example and and all other fields i economics calculus is there in 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 a very widespread used in a very widespread way um and uh, and in fact um yeah so the, the th- uh, so so the thing is um if you go back to the history of calculus you know it's not uh, it's not the kerala mathematicians who 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 invented calculus only i mean it has a long history going back to the time of aryabhata so he uh, gave a, a, a table of sine the sine function uh, in his aryabhatiya and uh, with his notation he he gave this uh, sine tables for 24 angles now, now the beauty of this uh, table is that it is not just a list of sine sine uh, values but it's a second order sine differences uh, second order sine differences and in this he uh, in, he makes use of the discrete version of of two mathematical results one is that the second order derivative of the sine function is proportional to the sine itself and in another oh, and this is actually a very beautiful verse in the aryabhatiya which i have de- uh, described in my book in the appendix i have given the full mathematical details that this one single verse has two meanings one is this uh, this differential uh, calculus idea of the second derivative of sine and the other one is the so called fundamental theorem of calculus so it has two interpretations so it's like you know a really beautiful verse here and uh, and then he uses, uh, he uses the discrete version of these results of course and then uh, and in astronomy indian mathematicians were also astronomers so they were interested in uh, tracking the motion of the planets of the of the sun etc so for that you need trigonometry so for trigonometry you need to have uh, values of uh, the sine uh, or the cosine functions you need to have accurate values of that and for accurate values you need to have also an accurate value of pi uh circumference to diameter ratio so um so they came up with various schemes uh, maybe you know they would increase the number of angles for which they would tabulate or they would make you know interpolation formulas and uh, they would um, uh, yeah and so so interpolation formula brahmagupta for example he gave a second order interpolation method which uh, is equivalent to the newton stirling uh, ex- approximation and and then vateshwara he he uh, gave um, a list of uh, sign values to much high accuracy 
and and this was like long history of uh, this this development in this field and uh, then then in kerala and then yeah in north india unfortunately the islamic invasions happened so basically the mathematics development etc stopped there as alberuni explicitly mentions and but in kerala in the vijayanagar empire this this went on so so you know so there you had the mathematicians like madhava and his lineage uh, madhava nilakantha and uh, jeshadeva parameshwara so they they carried this legacy of forward uh, Okay, and uh, and then they uh, they were interested in you know getting these uh, values of you know the trigonometric functions, values of pi, and so in the process they they came up with uh, these ideas, uh, this this these concepts of this infinite series for the you know the sine function, for the inverse tangent function, cosine function, for pi, and a lot of other uh, you know series uh, things and and um, and uh, and things like you know like how. The 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 uh, volume and area of a sphere, things like that, you know, which we teach today in calculus courses. And at the same time, uh, Europe was in uh, search of the sea route for India, and Europe found that with the help of Vasco da Gama, uh, who in turn found it from an Indian. So um, and then uh, and then, but unfortunately, or. Fortunately or unfortunately, they did not have you know any good navigation techniques because even they were helped by this Indian guy, and he used uh, navigation instruments for for guiding them. And Vasco da Gama is known to have brought some of these instruments back. And uh, uh, yeah, and so they wanted this uh, mathematics information of of, of uh, for the for the navigation. For navigation, you need knowledge knowledge of astronomy. And then, uh, so they, uh, so they were interested in this, and at the same time, the church was at the same time uh, carrying out its reform, calendar reform. So, Christoph Clavius was assigned as the um, as the head of the calendar reform, and uh, he was a trained mathematician. Uh, he, he was a Jesuit priest, and he trained, you know, several Jesuit priests, and he sent them to India. Uh, like Matteo Ricci is the most well-known of these. Uh, they were all trained in mathematics from him, and um, yeah, they went to India, and then they they are known to have. And the Jesuits are they we they, they are they have sent you know Sanskrit texts. They were on the lookout for mathematical knowledge, and they sent this knowledge uh, back to Europe. And um, and then in Europe. Um, all these mathematicians whom we know like galileo and all that they were in close touch with with the jesuit sources and um, and then uh, essentially um, essentially you know this this knowledge trickled down through um, through like you know galileo torricelli um, cavalieri and all these people isaac barrow newton and and leibniz also he was also in close touch with the jesuits there is a huge correspondence uh, between him and the jesuits so and um, yeah so this was this was the, the the basic history of of the transmission of calculus. So I, I would also mention that you know the, the calendar reform then shortly took place after that, and there, there was a whole lot of activity in Europe uh, from from around the 17th century or so. So you know look look at the timeline also. Now, the, this Christoph Clavius sends the missionaries to India and uh, the, the, to Kerala, in fact, Cochin, which is the epicenter of the Kerala mathematics. And in a few decades after that, you know you have all this Galileo and all these people springing up and all these you know mathematical results. Leibniz coming up with his uh, a series for pi, then you have all this Taylor series, and you have all this Gregory series, and uh, you have this astronomical models like from Tycho Brahe. He was his model was the same as the one by Nilakantha. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would also mention that you know this is like you know very, I mean, it's like uh, extremely strong uh, uh, 
evidence that 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 you know the calculus was not uh, you know an original development in europe out of nowhere i think this is one uh, one of the things to emphasize uh, sanjay ji which is that you know the, there is a you know as as bhaskar is saying there is a series of uh, can, events can, can i interrupt you for a minute sure, I, sure. i have to request the viewers to please ask your questions and also to please uh, uh, like the video yes please carry on absolutely like the video ask your questions and buy the book the imperishable seed by dr bhaskar okay. kamble once again <laughs> I, I i would like to show you the book here is the book absolutely and and we will put it in the description so that you can directly go wonderful. to the buying link wonderful wonderful so i wanted to just highlight this one aspect of what bhaskar is saying which is how there is a systematic plagiarism and then then so you copy something and then you erase you not don't only totally plagiarize the original then you erase the origins and then you go and tell the people that you are backward people and look how advanced we are and this is this is how it happens systematically all indian children keep reading in our history books that how vasco da gama discovered a sea route to india of oh, course that's the doctrine of discovery that that's yeah, scandal exactly. itself <laughs> yeah that's, that's a whole other topic that we should we should go into <laughs> but but the fact is that they're they're saying oh you know we indians were so silly we were just sitting there and all these these white people came and discovered all these things they discovered the seed of india of course vasco da gama discovered nothing all he did was he went down the coast of africa and from down the coast of africa he couldn't figure out how to get to india so he found an indian navigator and he said he paid the guy said please show me how to get to india so this navigator shows him the route and of course indian navigation was so much advanced simply because its mathematics was advanced because navigation especially in those times you know there's no satellite there's no gps so navigation would use the stars and would use tables and you would see based on how high and low you know in the sky a particular star is you know where your position is based on a date but if your calendar is wrong then your navigation is wrong so europe, europe was literally all over the map they couldn't navigate to save their life and and this is why they needed to fix their calendar so this is why they send the jesuit priest to india to fix their calendar they get all this information from india they they erase the origins because obviously we are savages and pagans and and savages and pagans cannot be more advanced than christians so they erase the origin and suddenly mathematics starts flourishing in europe so you know it's like if you drop a pebble in the water even if you don't know that the pebble is in the water you know that there are waves so something must have dropped into the water so what happens is you see the waves here of the knowledge that has brought from india even though the original pe pebble dropping the evidence of that is erased right so the question is if all this mathematics suddenly comes up after the jesuits come back from india they should be able to show the previous 100 years of that mathematics in europe that built this mathematic tradition that europe claims for itself and the fact is they don't have it because this was the input that came from india and then they built on it and the real tragedy is that after one of the other things that bhaskar points out in in his book the imperishable seed is that when the in the in the earlier phase actually the, there are some european mathematicians who still acknowledge the indian origins and, and the advancement of indian mathematics but once india gets colonized by the british 
then it's even more important for them to tell us how backward we are because how will they they convince us of our own slavery and the need for the superiority of the british to come and teach us science and math and so science and math was very integral to our colonization so so setting this history right is equally important to decolonizing the indian mind and and you know that's a very significant part of what what bhaskar has done Right, right. Right. No. points to this uh, uh, let me ask Vibhuti ji who is sitting quiet all this while now it is uh, for me it is a very fascinating conversation because as we have talked on jaipur dialogue many times that we are trying to awaken the woke and uh, you know so the important part here is that it, it appears that bhaskar bhaskar ji being as young as he looks uh, you know he is also one of the wokes who turned awakened with this research that he has done so congratulations for that and i want to woke is a slur word <laughs> he, he 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 confesses it in his own statement that he 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 realized that oh my god so many things are actually based on uh, you know our texts and that was stolen plagiarized as uh, sankranji said the point here oh, is very he even mentions uh, the connection with para and apara vidya absolutely absolutely so the point is that i want to tell you two two things here you picked out the topic the book imperishable seed and that as sankranti was telling that it has origins in gita but if you google the word imperishable seed you will see all biblical references to that so this is very interesting. how did you choose this name and what was the inspiration for choosing this name and number two is the fact that you know so many things have been stolen from our texts we know that now so it is you are you i congratulate you for doing this work and i want to tell you this very simply that i'm going to buy some of these books and give it to some of my american friends because it's important for them to know that too i mean this is one thing that i can easily do is to share it with my mainstream american friends that hey we hindus are not what you think we are we are actually who we are and that's the narrative which is important so share with us one thing that i wanted to ask you and that is how was the destruction of the our ancient texts being done and we did nothing about it were we in denial or we were too much of a lotus eaters so i think there are two questions you asked right the first one yes. was the ori- uh, the origin of the, of the imperishable seed and uh, the biblical references uh yeah so to be honest you know i was not at all aware of that it has biblical references only later when i was uh, like googling the imperishable seed uh, and i kind of you know was surprised oh it has uh, so many biblical references so i was a little bit surprised and uh, i was also a little bit uh, struck by this pattern because because the, uh, you see also this pattern in i mean uh, like the church uh, you know appropriating the knowledge uh, for example uh, when you look at the greek knowledge you know during the time of the the thomas aquinas and everything they appropriated the greek knowledge and made the greek heritage as their own heritage uh, the ancient greek and the so called pagan uh, people okay so uh, and then uh, of course you see the this with the calculus the jesuit priests you know taking calculus appropriating calculus this thing you know this appropriation takes place through you know christianity and on the other hand also in india you have other kinds of appropriations you know uh, like um, the churches are built in the in the form of temples to to hoodwink uh, hindus and um, you know 
the priests uh, are dressed like you know brahmins and um, their songs are are like you know yesu uh, sahasranam this kind of appropriations we hear of uh, is also going on so i really had to you know think of these kind of appropriations when i saw this biblical reference to uh, the imperishable seed um, it was a little bit of an uh, like like a um, yeah uh, unpleasant uh, thing for me uh, to 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 see that but i think you know if uh, if we are on the right path i think uh, the imperishable seed will be known more for its you know reference to bhagavad gita than than the because in the sanskrit it is called bijam avyayam which refers to the imperishable seed the avyay bij and and this has a very very close um philosophical uh, relation to the subject of algebra and if you look at bhaskara and uh, um narayan pandita their, their, their definitions of algebra it is it is really like a double meaning one meaning is on the mathematical level and the other meaning is on the metaphysical level where you know they speak about avyakta and the vyakta they speak about you know from the avyakta comes out the vyakta and um, it is similar to to what we have in the bhagavad gita in 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 some of the verses in chapter 9 avyakta uh, vyaktayah something like that from the avyakta comes the vyakta so um, this was one of the things which uh, made me choose the name uh, the imperishable seed and um, and this was uh, this would be the i think and your next question was uh, how come we did not do anything about this uh, appropriation when these texts were being taken uh, yeah this again is a mm, i think uh, because i think when the british were were here they, they were really they were really smart i think i i uh, i i mean they used very time tested techniques of of uh, of of colonizing the mind and um, they realized that you know the, the indians if if they know about their history then it will be difficult to colonize them because you know why would they want someone who are like second hand copies you know of of uh, whose knowledge is a second hand copy of you know their knowledge so they had to uh, hide this you know the source of knowledge from the indians that you are um, you 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 are really um, you had a heritage of knowledge so they um, they were quite successful in doing that i mean with the with the with the with the writing of histories like james mills history which was in turn rooted in the in the, the christian supremacy of of uh, yeah and then um, and then yeah and then they would also one very one favorite ploy they used was was um, was uh, choosing certain people to act as the intermediaries between them and the natives and um, and th- these people would would convince the others of the the superiority of the british and and the, and uh, the notions that you know the the indians are superstitious they are they are they are lost in superstition and they are very backward so and and one such famous name which comes to my mind is raja ram mohan roy of course like you know he was the classic uh, indian intellectual and 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 why do we even have to go so far back why do, we can even just look at today's world i mean you have all these intellectuals in india not just in the world of uh, journalism and and media and politicians but also like you know established uh, university professors even even mathematics professors you know like uh, uh yeah i mean they will never talk about uh, things like uh, they won't have any problems with things like you know the pythagoras theorem even though pythagoras uh, there is no proof that he discovered uh, this theorem or he proved this theorem so um, we have to like really uh, see it in this way that somehow 
the mind of the the indians got broken the spirit of the indians got broken through centuries of you know islamic rule and then through centuries of through of propaganda by colonialism and then it is really um, an uphill task to come out of it i mean of course you know we have to also take responsibility for this to, to come out of it and uh, we have to do our bit to to see that you know this is reversed this trend is reversed Right. One of the interesting things is uh, when you're relating the philosophical underpinnings of Hindu mathematics uh, is uh, a subchapter called Quantum Mechanics and the Hindu Concept of God. Would you like to elaborate that a little bit? Before? <clears throat> uh, once again, reminding the viewers, please do ask your questions. yeah so this this is a very um, very difficult uh, point in fact because then i uh, i would have to give a bit bit of details about the the hindu uh, philosophical uh, tenets or uh, yeah we have all the time for <laughs> dialogues that's the beauty yeah. of this platform uh, so in in religions like uh, christianity and islam uh, you have an external god who is uh, out there somewhere okay but uh, but in in the hindu philosophy you know the, you don't have this god so to speak you know in like the christian or the islamic god you have you have something like you have, you have something like you know uh, this this supreme reality which is given the name of uh, brahman so and this brahman is is in a way is the only reality that exists everything else that we see is like an appearance so it um, it belongs to the so so this this appearance it's it is it is like a uh, it's it's basically called maya it's like you know you 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 associate a certain reality with this ever changing world and you think that uh, this is real but but in a in a certain way uh this this ever changing world everything that is beginning and end like from the bhagavad gita you have this verse nasato vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate sata so so mm. everything uh, which has a... vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate sataha so it's the the only thing that exists is this uh, is this um, tatva this tatva is the only thing which has an existence the other things don't exist but but in a way that is also a false statement because you know because you know if when you say that something doesn't exist you give it up you know a, a reality uh, that you know which the reality is not which the the, the tatva is not so it so it has it's like it has a multiple layers of meaning to this so um, so it's like uh, so it's like the same reality becoming uh, appearing to be divided uh, and 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 giving the appearance of multiplicity uh, and but this multiplicity is in a way an illusion so this is also what uh, schrodinger says uh, so if you look at the same mountain peak from different places from one place it's called gauri shankar other place it's called uh, something else i don't remember but uh, it's 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 a multiplicity which is an illusion so uh, so it's like and so your existence as as a jivatma uh, you have a certain um, association with with your body with your you know family with your with your life with you, with your being right now so it's like a localized existence uh and this is again like an appearance because in truth uh, you are beyond that because because you know this appearance comes and goes this existence comes and goes so what is it that remains uh, that unchanged you know that is the, that is the point of hindu philosophy of um, so this uh, so this is like you know it 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 encapsulates different layers of meaning and the same thing uh, 
uh, same reality can be either you know like uh, uh, it, it it yeah it's like you know so so brahman this brahman or this this paramatma it has you know different aspects like vyakta and avyakta like we said so and uh, this concepts of para and apara prakriti you know and but they are they are the aspects of the same same divinity uh, okay so so which which appears to be divided so and this was uh, an aspect uh, of of hindu philosophy which was radically different to to the christian uh, to the christian uh, world view in which each person is a unique person is is uh, it, he remains or she remains that person forever and i for example will remain as bhaskar forever and when i die uh, i will either go to heaven or hell but there also i will remain bhaskar only i will be known as by bhaskar so 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 this is the sort of you know uh, philosophy which you have in the christian uh, uh, world view and uh, and then what happened is that uh, there was a, there was this flow of sanskrit texts from 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 india to to the west and so they became acquainted the west became acquainted with with indian philosophy and uh, you have you know deep connections between the philosophy of schopenhauer and 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 the upanishads and uh, for example and then and then you know like sanskrit was taught sanskrit texts were taught in all, all across the universities uh, in europe and people like schrodinger uh, heisenberg they were exposed to these uh, sanskrit texts and um, and then uh, there is this certain uh, and then this uh, this hindu philosophy of of the nature of reality is in a way then you know um, is compatible with the the quantum nature of reality because in quantum mechanics also you have uh, multiple descriptions for the same thing so for example in uh, in in quantum mechanics you know you have a particle uh, which which can behave like a wave so um, so electron was thought to be a particle but then you know uh, after the uh, so they saw that uh, it it shows diffraction effects and then it turned out that that you you have to describe use describe it using a wave function for elect electron and conversely also for light light was thought to be a wave so but then you know there were these experiments um, i don't remember the names of the experiments but then you know the photoelectric effect i think yeah and then it it turned out that even light had to be ascribed a, a particle uh, behavior like the the photon which is which is called and then this was a huge uh, mm, stumbling block for for the western philosophy because you know how can you do that but it it was in fact actually it's actually totally uh, compatible with 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 indian philosophy so um, so this these are these are some of the things that i mean is is really i find it really difficult right now to 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 describe this properly you know but because it's it's a bit tricky to to uh, to talk about these things but roughly speaking this would be the explanation i hope it has been useful <laughs> maybe you, your okay. next book will be about that if you are having a difficulty talking maybe you will write the book about that <laughs> Actually, i'm sure i have i have written uh, it better in my book than i have talked about it right here <laughs> at the best of times it's not easy to <laughs> describe quantum physics because the idea of superposition is intelligible only to those who have some kind of a schooling in advaita vedanta and uh, both schrodinger and eisenberg were uh, accomplished vedantins also and uh, that was probably one of the reasons why they could figure that out uh, so uh, uh, i think there are very few questions uh, so we leave the task of asking some tough questions to vibhuti ji <laughs> no this as you said very correctly that you have to have the knowledge to ask a question but i am driven by uh, a teaching that i received from my teacher uh, 
you ask questions you don't ask questions only after you have understood everything or you didn't get anything so in my question in my question is based on total ignorance and it's mostly driven by political element of that yes we have you know indians are known to be you've very... crunched numbers for a living so i, I did i did i mean we studied under professor dandekar in the the quantitative methods in economics for the first time my batch was introduced to that in the college and we knew knew very little about it but important part here is very simple it's again i go back to the the thought process the thought process is that we as a people will have to now study these books the imperishable seed the you know or or all so many books that have come about and we have to begin to create an actionable platform so bhaskar ji how would we create an actionable platform based on what people will read from your book what is the actionable agenda that you will share with all the audiences that are listening to us today i think this has to be a joint effort um so i am already working uh, sankranchi and i have discussed some ideas together on this and i think sankranchi also has some uh, plans um, along this direction um yeah i think sankranchi maybe you can t- uh, answer this question so yeah. you have i i think the 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 main agenda is really about decolonizing the indian mind and this is re- this is the root cause of so many of our problems there was this uh, um, i think australian academic who was saying that indian intellectuals go all around the world attacking india um, it's a very rare thing and one of the one of the reasons this is happening is because because uh, the the whole colonial education has kind of pitted indians against indian culture as the root of our problems you know there's this laundry list of you know sati dowry caste all this and this this is what is ascribed to india the atrocity literature atrocity literature right and that's that's how def- it's defined not only for outsiders but also for indians you know so the 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 jada of the problem the root of the problem is actually actually in bharat to humko kya karna hai ki bharatwasiyon ko pehle मुक्त करना है ये जो ये जो उपनिवेशिक जो जो द होल कलोनियल माइंड दैट इज कॉट एंड दिस इज व्हाई आई लव भास्कर बुक बिकॉज यू कैन गिव इट टू योर मोस्ट सेक्युलर फ्रेंड एज लॉन्ग एज दे आर ओपन माइंडेड यू कैन गिव इट टू अ मैथमेटिशियन यू कैन गिव इट टू अ साइंटिस्ट एंड दे विल कम आउट ऑफ इट ट्रांसफॉर्म बिकॉज इट इज कंप्लीटली एविडेंस बेस्ड वी हैव नॉट डन एनी एग्जैजरेशन यू नो नथिंग हैज बिन सेड वेयर इट्स नॉट सपोर्टेड you know by by multiple pieces of evidence and so the the agenda if you are asking vibhuti uh, ji is really how do we create a movement that helps to decolonize the indian mind where we are building our own on our own knowledge systems rather than just willy nilly importing uh, these social sciences and other things that that really don't don't they are neither social nor scientific <laughs> and and so how do we how do we actually create a system where uh, where we have a generation of indians which is now finally rooted in our own knowledge systems and then they're representing us to the world and and telling the world about our wisdom rather than going around the world and bashing us that's right uh, one more observation of course uh, uh, is that uh, is dr kamble 
a bit soft on the church because <laughs> i am used more to dr c k raju who goes hammer and tong against the church <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it wasn't. It wasn't soft as although although to no, to his credit. Yeah, I I take heart from the fact that only day before yesterday the news came out that Christianity is now a minor religion is is in minority in the UK. Minority in the UK. Yeah. UK well, then, and uh, in Wales, where it all began, and therefore uh, I think. Uh, it's a good time to make use of that because why it has happened that also i can see uh, why it is not happening to islam also um, uh, is also very clear uh, because uh, as people start asking rational questions then these dogma based religions cannot survive that uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant <laughs> and it is the best disinfectant towards this virus of uh, uh, dogma based religion so uh, i think respond, it's a good time briefly um, what um, good, uh, what i was wanting to say that it's good time to begin the movement absolutely absolutely but to respond to what you said about this book being soft on the church one of the things that seeker raju is a great dear friend of mine he's actually been soft on the arab plagiarism and especially on the islamic side whereas whereas bhaskar actually has taken a whole section on that part of the story where this whole myth of this this flourishing of islamic science and islamic mathematics uh, why that's a misnomer and why it really was a lot of firstly hindu mathematics and second it's not really islamic so maybe bhaskar can talk a little bit about that where the persian you know the ancient persian work was actually and the scientists and mathematicians from persia were really yeah. responsible for that thing yeah yeah that's right so uh, yeah so so uh, yeah there is of course in in history we, we also hear of this so called islamic golden age age and and this uh, al khwarizmi and um, uh, yeah uh, all the other people you know who came uh, after that right? so and yes. and the period so, of harun rashid yeah so uh, the thing is that um, uh, so so the and what we don't know about what we don't hear about all this is that you know the, the mathematics that uh, is uh, we hear in the so called islamic golden age it 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 comes from the mathematics of aryabhata and brahmagupta so after sindh in pakistan it fell into the hands of the uh, muslims so um, like you know the the brahmins and the 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 knowledgeable people uh, from from india were sent to sent to arabia uh, for, as 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 envoys and they would be taking their the sanskrit texts with them and these sanskrit texts of uh, brahmagupta aryabhata and other mathematicians and uh, and not just mathematics also other texts then they would get translated into persian arabic there over there and then um, there was also a political uh, aspect here so uh, so the uh, umayyad caliphate it was it was uh, overthrown by the um, abbasid caliphate in i think in 700 uh, ce or so or sometime before the so called islamic golden age and they had taken the help of the persians and so uh, 7, 740 oh uh, yeah 
so they had taken the help of the Persians in overthrowing them. And so they were, uh, due to political reasons, they had to uh, support the Persians. And now in Persia, there was a long tradition of knowledge. Uh, because in uh, around after Christianity started in Europe, the so-called pagan uh, neoplatonic philosophers like Proclus, Theon, and all these other uh, people, Plotinus, they were severely persecuted there by Christianity because uh, they were so-called pagans. And uh, their philosophy was, you know, like, uh, like you know, what in Islam would be called haram, right? So uh, heretic uh, philosophy. So they were uh, persecuted and they and they went to Persia, to Iran, uh, what is today Iran, and there uh, with the they st so this this school of knowledge, which is so called Islamic Golden Age, it also builds up draws from their sources. Okay, so their sources and then uh, the Indian mathematicians, Brahmagupta, Aryabhatta, their works came here uh, to Persia and they were translated like uh, Al-Kharizmi is known as the father of algebra, which is actually totally, um, yeah, nonsense because, you know, it's, it's actually based in the works of Aryabhatta, Brahmagupta, etc. that uh, this al algebra is there. And then um, one other misleading thing is that, you know, it is called the Islamic Golden Age, and it makes one um, think that you know it, Islam had something to do with this. But uh, of course, this is not the case because if it had to do something with Islamic philosophy, then it would have existed all over the world where Islam exists. You know, why did Islamic mathematics and science um, flourish only in that uh, geographical region? As I said, it is because of you know the Persian uh, uh, knowledge tradition from the Neoplatonic philosophers fleeing Christi fleeing Christianity and the Hindu texts which came there. This was one thing, and then the second thing is that you know this this political uh, factors which made them support the Persians, and if it had been really uh, connected with 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 islam you know in uh, why did it you know stop after you know the the fall of the uh, this caliphate there uh, when it was overturned so basically this political factor was no longer uh, valid and so you know and then islam unfortunately uh, took over the whole region and then it sort of you know it finished off the islamic golden age itself because many of the uh, philosophers of the so-called islamic golden age were actually uh, they had to be very careful about what they express uh, because uh, their philosophy was based on the philosophy of the neoplatonic philosophers which in turn was based on the vedantic philosophy um, so they had to be really careful uh, and so so this is these are some of the things uh, regarding the islamic golden uh, that age. also had to do with that internal struggle that happened in the arabia between the asherites and the mutazallis uh, of course that's a different chapter and uh, i did <laughs> i think there's a conversation between me and dr raju where he had to agree to my viewpoint uh, he rarely does agree to anybody else's <laughs> but that was fun great accomplishment of mine where I could prove to him that Sufism is not really what he thought it was. Uh, so uh, I think the time to go to the audience questions and uh, uh, I'll give the 